strong in the might in the Lord and in His mighty power. And we learned last week that if we're going to be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power, we need to understand verse 18 that says to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And God has called us to prayer. It's to consume the entire strategy of spiritual warfare. We spent all summer long looking at, at the body armor, the, the uh, spiritual warfare pieces that we can protect ourselves with. Prayer needs to saturate all of that. And we know that prayer was a priority for Paul and for the early church. It was a New Testament priority. And we also know that blessings come as a result to prayer. How many can attest to that in your life personally? That blessings come as a result to prayer, specific prayer. And so I would ask you, why have you stopped? <laughs> and we identify that some of us, we just kind of stop. We, we stop believing for our, for our marriage, or we stop believing for our, for our kids or for our business. And uh, we know that personally, we are going to be blessed if we continue to pray. And then as a church, we're going to be blessed as we um, pray as well. And so we started talking this fall. It's kind of early fall, but that we want to make room for more prayer. And we know that God, when He takes us, wherever you are today, that He takes us from where we are and He takes us to greater things. And God, He wants to move us from where we are and slowly move us into deeper things. And that goes for any of us. And so we're going to do that this fall by really highlighting prayer requests. It's been, it's been great to see last week many of you filled out prayer requests. We've got a whole stack that Pete, Pastor Pete and I have been praying through and uh, asking God to move in your lives. It's awesome to, to get a, a little glimpse into some of your lives and some of the things that you're struggling with or the things that you're facing. And I'll tell you, it's been a blessing to me as your pastor to be able to pray for you in that way. But we want you to know that you can let your family and your friends know that we are going to be praying for requests. And if they have requests, you fill these out and we put them on your seats. We're going to use those at the end of today's message. But we want to know that we, we're going to be believing for miracles together. And then also we're going to be focusing on corporate prayer, moving from where we are into deeper things. And our discipleship strategy for this fall is Wednesday nights. We're going to meet starting this week, and we are going to pray. It's going to be a school of prayer. You know, the disciples came to Jesus in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, and they said, teach us to pray like John the Baptist taught his disciples how to pray. And we want to learn together how to pray, how to trust God, because of this very important truth that nothing of internal significance happens without prayer. Say that with me. Nothing of eternal significance happens without prayer. And I believe that deep down in my heart. And so we're going to pray like never before. And we're going to learn to pray. And we're going to learn to ask God for some incredible things. And today, we're going to continue our focus on prayer. And then next week, we're going to look at making room for more worship in our lives. And so I'm excited about that. Well, I wanted to start this morning by asking you to take a little survey with me. And I know what I'm about to ask you could uh, cause some anxiety to build up inside of you. We don't want anyone to leave, all right? But we do want 100% participation. What I want you to do, and no one's going to be looking at you, okay? What I want you to do is to rate where you feel your Christian walk is in regards to the effectiveness you, are, you have in the world. All right? 
So this is pretty challenging, all right? So rating your Christian walk effectiveness. And I'll give you three categories. You have to vote for one of these three, okay? The first is that you'd say, well, maybe I'm below average or below normal in my effectiveness as a Christian. Now, don't, don't vote yet. And then the second category is, well, I would rate myself as ordinary or typical or average, okay? So below normal, average, and then we want to know, are there any super Christians here <laughs> this morning and, uh, in your effectiveness? And you, I mean, you're just hitting it out of the ballpark. I mean, you just wake up, and you're breathing passion for God, and, you know, you know, lives are changed. You know, you just walk into your office, and people are, you know, healed, and, you know, that kind of thing. All right? So, all right, so you got to vote for one of these three, all right? All right, so, all right, who would rate themselves? And you're, I'm the only one looking. No one else is going to look. Just kidding. Everyone look around, all right? Okay. <laughs> who would rate themselves below normal as a in Christian in their effectiveness? All right, a few honest people. All right, a few. All right, okay. All right, how many would say, well, I feel like I'm ordinary or typical? All right, a few more of you. Any super Christians here this morning? Yeah! <laughs> you're the only one, brother. <laughs> no, that's good. Well, this is what I want us to get our minds around this morning. That God, He wants to do in extraordinary things in ordinary believers' lives. And I hope you get a glimpse of what that is. When we talk about the extraordinary life, we're talking about God's promises being fulfilled in our lives. Miracles, favor, God-honoring type of lives. And God desires all of us, whether you, you say I'm normal or below normal or super normal, whatever, God wants you to grow in your effectiveness. In essence, today, you should be stronger Lord willing, than you were a year ago in your effectiveness as a believer. Do you believe that? And so a year from now, or six months from now, we hope that you're stronger, and we want to be a part of that. And as I think about that reality, there's a little prayer in Scripture that I've been drawn to at many times in my life, and I want to take you there today. It's kind of tucked away, but it has some significance for us personally and then corporately as the Gateway Church in the idea of making room for more prayer. And what I want you to do is turn with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 4, 1 Chronicles chapter 4, and we're going to look at two verses in there, verses 9 and verse 10. If you don't have a Bible at any time, you can uh, stand up and grab one from the back and follow along. First Chronicles, if you're having a hard time finding it, it's on page 447. And uh, it may not be the typical place, especially the first nine chapters of Chronicles. Uh, it's not the place you do your you know, normal uh, Bible reading, uh, probably on a regular basis. But listen to what it says. First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9. It says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Nice. <laughs> Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm, so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Lord, your word is so simple, but so true. Lord, I pray that we would distill the truths out of these couple of verses this morning. And Lord, that you would challenge us to take the ordinary and believe for the extraordinary in our lives. We pray it in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Who was Jabez? How many, first of all, have ever uh, heard of Jabez? Just a quick show of hands. All right, all right, put your hands up. All right, who has never heard of Jabez? All right, a few of you have never heard of Jabez. Well, it says here that Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, right? And the question I would ask is, why was he more honorable? Well, it doesn't say why he was more honorable. It just says that he was. It's not given to us. In fact, you can dig all through Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, and these are the only two verses in all of Scripture, unless you read it backwards and upside down, that have the word Jabez in it. Now, we can safely infer that Jabez was a righteous man, a God-fearing man. He was uh, you know, noted for that. And we can also assume that Jabez wanted to be more and to do more for God. And by the end of his life, we understand that in his story, that God granted his request for more. Now, the name Jabez is interesting. It says there that his mother named him Jabez because he was birthed out of pain. Now, if any, there are any moms here that have given birth, uh, you can relate to what this is. But what, when you study that, when it says he was birthed out of pain, it's not your normal pain that you would have in childbirth. It's actually an intense pain that would be unusual. Um, and it, 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 it's possible, uh, some commentaries believe, that either his mother died or was close to death in the birthing process. And so because of that, uh, she named him Jabez, which means uh, to be born out of pain. Now, to give you some uh, historical context here, First Chronicles chapters 1 through chapter 9 is really a family tree of the Hebrew tribes and clans. It was written um, from the lens of the priests and the scribes, and it was written in light of the return of the Israelites to Judah, and so it was post-exile. So they're coming back, they're resettling in the promised land. And so it was a, it was a, uh, a genealogy of name after name after name, and of who begat this. And then we come to chapter 4, and 44 names into chapter 4, there's this pause. Everyone take a big breath. <sighs> And something caused the historian that was writing First Chronicles to pause to say there's something worth mentioning about Jabez and about his life. And so we want to study that. We can look at this and we can say, okay, things started out badly for Jabez. At least he was born out of pain. So he's very ordinary at best. He prayed an unusual prayer, a one-sentence prayer that had four parts. We'll look at that. And things ended up extraordinary in his life. So ordinary to extraordinary. So what did Jabez pray? And that's what we want to spend our time looking at this morning. And I want to take you through. There are four pieces to this prayer. And uh, before we get there, it says that he cried out to God. This prayer, as we look at this and we understand in context, it was a passionate plea to God Almighty, to the God of Israel. It wasn't a you know, morning prayer over breakfast or over cereal. Or it wasn't a prayer, you know, like, Lord, help me with my math test. Or, or Lord, help me, uh, you know, to, you know, you know, get a promotion or something like that. It was a passionate plea. Jabez's prayer was the biggest, most improbable request imaginable. And this is what he prayed. He said first, he said, Oh, that you would bless me. Now this was common in Old Testament writing to see people praying or writing, God, would you bless me? 
And how many know it's okay to ask God for blessings? It was common. Moses, David, the prophets. And, you know, today we get this sense of blessing. It kind of gets watered down. And we say, oh, God bless you when you sneeze. Or, you know, may the Lord bless you. Or, you know, things like that. But from a biblical sense, when you say, God bless me, or bless you, you're asking for supernatural favor. And when we ask God to bless us, we are not asking for more of what we can do on our own. We're crying out for a wonderful, unlimited God to touch us with his power. And that's what Jabez did. And in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22, you may want to flip there. It's interesting. It says, The Lord's blessing is our greatest wealth. God's blessings is the greatest thing that we could have. And then it says, All our work adds nothing to it. There's nothing you can do that will help when it comes to your life, it's all God. It's God blessing, putting his hand on your life. Now, it's important also to understand that when we ask for blessing, like Jabez did or, or David did, the focus is on God's will for our lives. It's not, oh God, would you give me you know, a new Cadillac or, a, or more money or fame. It's not God, you know, make me popular at school or, or make me invisible at work or, you know, or, you know Lord God, you know, you know, provide you know, you know, a handsome you know, studly guy to, so I can put my arm around him. That's not the type of prayers we're talking about. We're saying, God, according to your will for my life, I want to be blessed. And when we ask for blessings according to God's will, our lives will be marked by miracles. We see it in Moses' life. Exodus chapter 33, verse 18. Uh, Moses says, God, show me your glory. A passionate plea for God to, to reveal himself to Moses. and saying, God, bless me. And then in Exodus chapter 34, the next chapter, we know that God, he, he comes uh, by, he, um, he shines his, his glory in front of Moses. And we see God as a compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, loving, faithful, forgiving God. Pretty powerful blessings wrapped up what, what Moses saw. But we know that these blessings, these promises, the bounty of God can be limited in our own lives by a lack of us asking. We have a part to play. We want to ask God. Now, we know that God, his resources are unlimited, right? His power is unlimited. His willingness to give is unlimited. It is the nature of God to bless his children. And Jabez, he understood that. And so he started his prayer saying, God, oh, that you would bless me indeed. Everyone just say that. Lord, bless me. And then he says, enlarge my territory. Now in the context here, we're reading a, a genealogy. There's a pause. They're re-entering the land where uh, under Joshua's lead, the land, just so you know, was already divided up. It, wasn't, uh, it was already divided up among the tribes and among the people. So Jabez, from what I understand, was not asking for more real estate, so to speak. It wasn't to take over someone else's property or to you know, expand his territory instead of you know, one plot that he would get six plots. But what it was, he was saying, help me, God, to take the territory that has been allotted to 
me. That's what Jabez would have been praying. God, help me. Enlarge my territory. That the territory you've given me, that it would be most effective. And I relate that to our context, how it can relate to each of us. We could say, God, help us to take our gifts, our talents, our resources, and enlarge our impact for his glory. Does that make sense? Now, some people would say, well, are you sure we're supposed to ask God for more? Is that okay? It is okay if it's related to God's will. To have a pure heart saying, God, I just want all that you have for me. We can pray prayers like, Lord, expand my opportunities, my impact in a way that I can touch more lives for your glory. And you know what? We can pray prayers like that. And we can pray prayers like, Lord, let me do more for you. No matter what your vocation, no matter what, whether you're a student or in business or in education or relationally, you can say, God, let me do more for you and for your glory. Now, my experience with individuals, I've been in ministry for some time, is that most people, probably the lion's share of people that I meet, they are eager to do something meaningful with their time and with their talent. And I look across the room here, and I would say that there would be very few here that would say, ah, that doesn't really interest me. (laughs) You guys are interested in making an impact, doing something beyond yourself for God's glory. And so what I would say is, why not pray for more, for more opportunity? Because the results are amazing. They were amazing in Jabez's life. And whether uh, you're, it's gifting or your, whatever your education is, whatever your vocation, I believe that God is calling you, he's calling me to do his work. Now, Bruce Wilkinson uh, kind of has a little formula here, and I want to show it to you here. It says, my abilities, this is to come up with what your territory is. My abilities, plus my experience, my training, my personality and appearance, my past, and the expectation of others equals my assigned territory. You kind of get your mind around that. So it's, it's a lot about me, all right? But then he says, if you want an expanded ter- territory, you've got to say, my willingness and my weakness, plus God's will for my life, and supernatural power equals expanded territory. Now, I don't know about you. I do not want just an average territory. My heart for my life and for this church is that we would have an expanded territory. And so it's, God, what's your will for my life? What is it, God, that you could pull out of me? My willingness, my weakness. Lord, I'm nothing, but your will and your supernatural power equals my expanded territory. So what does God have in mind for you in regards to that? God wants to work through you. And he encourages us in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, that it's not by might, not by power, it's not by your own strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's God that helps us. God specializes in working with normal, ordinary people to do supernatural things. Expand my territory. Ask for miracles in your life. And when I talk about miracles, what I'm talking about is interventions by God to make something happen that wouldn't normally happen. 
And so miracles in my relationships, miracles in my marriage, miracles in my finances, miracles with our automobile, amen? (laughs) Miracles with schooling, miracles across the board, that God would be moving. You know, we ask, oh, could you believe in miracles? And most believers would say, yeah, I believe in miracles. Well, there are some that don't. But miracles, regardless, when you look at Scripture, they always begin in prayer. They begin in prayer, asking God to move. And what happens? God sends his angels. He sends his strength, his resources, his people. God sends divine appointments our way. It's all for his glory. It's all for his honor. So Lord, bless me, Jabez prayed, and enlarge my territory. And then he says this. He says, and let your hand be with me. Let your hand be with me. If you start praying prayers, God bless me and enlarge my territory, you will need the Lord. You will say things like, God, I cannot do it on my own. And you know, those are good feelings. That's the way we should feel when we pursue the things of God. And apparently, Jabez, he understood this truth. So if we pray, God bless me, enlarge my territory, so big, we want to pray that unless God steps in, that we would fail miserably. Does that make sense? That we want to pray, God, move in my life in such a way that if you don't help me, I am in big, big trouble. And it goes against our normal thinking, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It goes against sometimes our common sense. It goes against our life experiences previous. It certainly can go against the way we feel or our training or our our need for security. And you know what? When we follow God in that way, it can set us up to look like a fool or a loser if God doesn't come through. And why would God want us to do that? For his glory, for his honor. We need the hand of God. We need the Spirit of God. And you know, when Jesus, he was just uh, ascending into heaven right after he commissioned his, um, uh, his disciples, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. It's interesting when we look at that verse, it says, go, he tells his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We call that the Great Commission, is to go. That's our responsibility. That mandate is, is uh, alive and well today. It's, it's as real today as it was when Jesus said it um, back 2,000 years ago. But when, then in verse 20, and when you look at that, he says, look, you go. And then he promises, he says, I will be with you. We're not alone. He doesn't say go in bye-bye. He says go, he says let's go. Let's go together to do something great. And I'll tell you, in this season of my life, as I kind of explain or you know, understand this and, and understand the, the desire for us that we're believing for more this fall than we've ever uh, been before, I've realized that the will of God can be scary. Has, has anyone ever realized that before? That you start to pray requests like Jabez, God, give us more, expand our territory, bless us to accomplish his will, to bring him glory through every seemingly impossibility, it is scary.
but we know that God's hand is right there with us. We get comfort from Joshua chapter 4, verse 24. After the children of Israel went through the Red Sea, or after the, the Jordan River was split and they walked through, we understand that it says, why did that happen? To show the hand of God on the Israelites. In Isaiah 59, verse 1, it says, is the hand of God too short? And the answer is, of course, no. God is there. He's able to help us. In the early church in Acts eleven twenty one, we see that the, the hand of the Lord was with the early church, doing ordinary, or with ordinary people, doing extraordinary things. They were filled with God. And I love reading Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. If you've been around our circles anytime, we, we, we read that a lot. And we're not going to read it today, but we understand that the early church, they were together and had all things in common. They shared, and God moved in a powerful, powerful way. They prayed together. They longed to see the hand of God on them. And church, wherever you are today, I'll just say it right up. You need the hand of God in your life. I need the hand of God in my life. Jabez understood he needed the hand of God, and so he said, Lord, not only bless me and enlarge my territory, but he said, let your hand be with me. And then the fourth thing is really interesting, and I think we need to understand this completely. He said, and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. Now, when you study that in the Hebrew, that word harm certainly can mean, can mean physical calamity, natural disaster, and that would make sense. Lord, keep me from physical uh, disaster, uh, natural you know, things that, that would happen, and, and that, that would make sense. But in, con- in the context of 1 uh, Chronicles, written again from the eye of the priests and the scribes, it's more likely to mean in that sense, and maybe even in some of your Bibles it says, that Lord, keep me from evil. There's a moral sense. Keep me morally sound. In light of the kings that were after the first nine chapters, then it talked about all the kings of Israel, the Chronicles, and how many of them started off well and ended up so poorly. In the context of all of that, Jabez cries out to God. He says, keep me from evil. Keep me from harm. Keep me morally pure. Keep my finances pure. Keep my sexual life pure. Keep me from compromise. You say, well, why would he pray that? Well, he says, so that I will be free from pain. Now, can we just be honest this morning? If you've ever been caught in your sin, how many know that it's painful? Yeah, I know I have. You, when your sin is exposed and kind of comes into light, it's painful. It's harmful. Personally. And then it affects others around you. I've walked with, with families that have experienced moral, moral failures. My best friend um, was in an affair for uh, over a year, and then it was exposed. And there was pain in that situation. But you know what? The pain didn't just stop in his little circle. It affected me. It affected our whole church back in Dayton, Ohio. Sin affects others. 
And Jabez must have understood that. He said, keep me from evil, from harm, so that I will be free from pain. You know what sin does? It breaks down the cycle of blessing in our lives. And you know, Jabez, he wasn't immune to the battle that we talked about all summer long in Ephesians chapter 6. He was in the battle just like we are. And you know what's interesting? The more that God blesses, the more the enemy attacks. And so we need to keep our guard up. We need to say, God, keep us from moral failure. Keep us from evil so that we, as individuals, will be strong, that we'll be free from pain. Amen? And the result of a prayer like this, at least in Jabez's life, and I believe in our lives as well, is that God answered Jabez's prayer. He answered it. Now, we can read that. It's a one-sentence prayer, two sentences in the Bible, or two scriptures in the Bible, and we can think, boy, if I start reading this prayer today, you know, God's going to bless me tomorrow, or in the next three weeks, or the next month, or whatever. And I just want to say, when it says God granted his request, we're talking about his lifetime. (laughs) Not just one year, not just one season of his life, And so it requires some patience, I'm sure. And we don't get the whole picture here, but we can look at a lot of other examples in Scripture, and we can understand that God's blessings at times take time, right? And we need to be faithful. We need to be patient. And God, sometimes it's perseverance that God is drawing us to. So I want to boil down this prayer. What did he pray for? What did Jabez pray for? He prayed for more blessing, for more territory, for more power, and for more protection. Now, I want you to put your mind around those four things and put it in the context where we are as a church, that we are praying to make room for more. The possibilities for us, when we start praying for more blessing, for enlarged territory, for His hand to be with us, His power to be with us, we need to be protected. How many know those are some scary prayers for us as a church. But with something we can do together and we can pray together. And I believe that as we really focus on prayer requests this season, like we talked about last week, taking seriously the needs of one another and bringing them before an almighty God and on our knees and saying, God, move in our lives and being willing to share some of the things in our lives and that are important to us. And, and I believe that even this past week that there were miracles that happened because some of you filled out cards. And I'd love to hear about those testimonies. And especially as we go into Wednesday night, we're going to hear uh, stories after story. When we look together, we come together for corporate prayer. And for the next seven weeks in particular, we're going to actually take this prayer, the prayer of Jabez, and we're going to dissect it a little further on Wednesday nights. When you leave today, we've got, about, uh, well, we've got lots of copies out in the lobby, hopefully enough for every family, uh, for every individual. We want you to take a book, The Prayer of Jabez. Now, this is an older edition. Yours will be blue. Looks a little different. But we're going to be dissecting this, going through this for the next seven weeks. 
And we don't want you to miss it because there's truths in this book that will be illuminated out of the prayer of Jabez that will make sense and things will start to click in your lives. And I believe that there will be blessings in this season for you and for us as a church as we do that. We said Wednesday nights is going to be a school of prayer. We're going to look at all kinds of resources on prayer. And you know what we're going to take? There's, there are some... Um, uh, hermeneutical critiques about this book, and we'll talk about those things. We'll take the good, and we'll learn and how to apply Scripture properly, and where there's some error in the book, we'll kind of identify some of those things. But we're going to talk about what happens uh, when people pray. And then we're going to pray, and we're going to ask God to move in our lives and in our church in a powerful way. At the same time, we're going to talk about what, what happens when prayers seem to fail. When we prayed, and then it seems like God didn't answer. We'll, we'll discuss all those things. And our goal over the next seven weeks on Wednesday nights is to take you from where you are and to move you slowly and your family slowly into some deeper things that Jesus has for you. And I don't want you to miss it. I wanted you to make it a priority. Seven o'clock on Wednesday nights. We are going to be believing together for miracles. So when you leave today, Jessica's going to be out at the table. $10. If you don't have $10, um, you can pay us later. Um, or if you don't have, you know, you're saying, boy, that would really strap my family. We understand that as well. But $10 uh, suggested. Take the book and dive into chapter one. Read the preface. Come prepared Wednesday night to grow and to, and to experience something together. And so that's kind of where we're headed with that. Now, I want to boil this down for us this morning. When you think about prayer and making room for more prayer in your life, can I just ask some practical questions that might pierce into your heart? Let me just start by saying, have you been praying? What does your prayer life look like? Why have you stopped praying if that's the case? Why have you stopped believing for your family, for your situation? The second thing is, do you believe that God has blessings and promises for you? And if you don't believe that, I want to encourage you to do a study on the blessings of God. There are more than 7,000 blessings in Scripture that you can pray over your life and believe in your life. Maybe you've been beat up and you're saying, man, I'm not sure that God even cares. Well, I want to just encourage you. Find yourself in Scripture. Seek out some of those blessings. In fact, I was encouraged recently, to, as I'm reading through the Bible this year, to start circling all the blessings that God has for us as I read through Scripture. And it's powerful to, be, to have that mindset saying, God, what do you have for me? Let me ask you this. Do you believe that God has a dream for your life, that you were created for more than just breathing air for the next 70 years or the 70 years of your life. And then let me ask you this. Do you have room in your life to grow in prayer? Are you willing to make room for more prayer in your life? Nothing of eternal significance happens without prayer. And as I, we distill our lives down, there are really only a few things 
in life that really make a difference. And prayer is at the top of the list. And if you have not been praying, I'm going to challenge you to step it up. God wants to take you. And it will be a slow process, but he wants to take you from where you are to deeper things. Maybe you've grown up in the church and you say, well, I understand, I, I pray, I pray with my kids at night. But the depth of your prayer, the impact of your prayer, do you pray surfacey prayers or do you pray about the deep things of the Lord? We talked a little bit last week about praying over our kids. And uh, I just read a book this week called Praying Circles Around Your Kids and kind of going in line with another book called uh, The Prayer Circles or, or The Circle Maker or something like that. I mean, about halfway through that. But the importance that our kids have X's on their back if we are believers. And we need to cover them in prayer, supernatural prayers, asking God for his protection. Again, is there room in your heart, in your life, to make room for more prayer. Together, I believe that we are destined for more. I believe that our thinking needs to be expanded. Our prayers have been too small, church, for our church. We serve a huge God. And again, Wednesday nights, we're going to explore that and the, the fact that God is so big and what he wants for us. And I believe that God is calling us to make more room for him in our lives and including prayer. And we want you to be engaged in that. Today is kind of an interesting day in my life. It's September 9th. And um, earlier this year, um, one of my 50 goals is to, com to uh, complete an Ironman triathlon where you swim for 2.4 miles in the open water, get on a bike for 110 miles, and then run a marathon. Anybody want to do that with me someday? <laughs> George, yes. Well, earlier this year, I was seriously, my family was seriously contemplating September 9th to do that today. And there's one happening right now. I've got some friends doing it. It's at Cedar Point. And, uh, and I was thinking about that this week. Well, when I made the decision not to do it, there was a financial component. And then uh, just, you know, it was like 1200 bucks to do this crazy thing for a single race by the time you get there and take the family and all that. But then there was also this feeling that this season of our lives for my family and for our church after I said, okay, God, I'm not going to do this, or okay, Jessica, <laughs> I'm not going to do this, because we talked about it, and we kind of discerned, <laughs> we discerned the will of God together for my life for this season. And, uh, and, and, we, and I said, okay, all right, that's okay. But the Lord revealed something to me, that it was going to take an iron man's effort to accomplish the things that God was leading our church to do. And that includes you guys, by the way. And this summer, we didn't have staff. Uh, and, you know, I, I carried a pretty big weight. Pretty big weight and uh, the Lord blessed us this summer. 
so thankful for Pastor Pete and for Deb uh, coming on board. And just by a side note, tomorrow, Pastor Pete and I, we're going to be going to Zion uh, Bible College in Grand Rapids. And uh, we're believing for a couple interns to join us this school season. And so you could be praying for that. And uh, we're going to put the request out and see if any students uh, reply and uh, can be a part of that. Because I believe, as your pastor, and our board believes, as the leaders of this church, that we are destined for more. To make room for more. And that's scary. But I believe that this is our time. That God is calling us to this. And we want you to be a part of that. And uh, in your bulletins, you can see that there's areas of ministry that because of us multiplying services in a couple weeks, that we will have uh, opportunities for you to serve. And we need you to step up. And if you're not serving in some of these areas, and you're saying, boy, I'd love to do that, or I'd be, I feel God calling me to do that, we need to hear from you. And we, we've got sign-up sheets out in the lobby. As we put together all the schedules of what it's going to look like to be in multiple services starting October 7th, we need you to be a part of that. And we want to cover those things in prayer. The second thing we want to be doing is we want to be praying for the empty seats that we will create by going to multiple services. When we have two services and we split them, in just a moment we're going to ask you, and some of you guys have been praying about this, what service would you more likely to attend? And we'll do that in just a second. But more importantly than what service are you going to attend, who needs to fill the seats that will be created Who needs to be reached for God's glory? Who in your life, who in your neighborhood, who at work can you be praying for and who can we be praying for and covering in prayer, asking God to move in their lives this next season? And so what I'm going to ask you to do this morning, you've got prayer request cards here and the very first checkbox there is salvation. And in just a moment, in fact, I'm looking for Mary. Mary, if you could come at this point, and we want to just kind of set our hearts before the Lord this morning. I want you to consider who in your life could you be praying with, or who would you ask for prayer for in regards to salvation specifically in this next season. And we're going to pray, and we're going to ask God to intervene in the lives of people in our neighborhoods on the lakeshore that are far away from Jesus or people that maybe once served the Lord but have fallen away and need to connect with a healthy body of believers to grow in the Lord. Will you do that with me? Will you take just a moment before we close this morning and bring all our thoughts final? Would you pray about, okay, God, more important than what service I attend, and we'll do that in just a minute, But who in my life can I be a part of seeing them come to know Jesus? You know, last week we had a lot of prayer requests come in. And many of them identified people in your lives already. You say, man, my brother-in-law, my husband, my, uh, my neighbor. It was mostly my family last week. But if, you're, if your family's saved, if you come from a Christian background, think beyond your family. 
Think about your neighbors. Think about those that are closest to you at work. That would, if they were to die this week, they would spend an eternity away from Jesus. And let the, just the weight of that just rest. And would you pray? And then would you just identify a person or two or three? You could fill up the page front and back for that matter. And we're going to cover these people in prayer. God is calling us to make room for more prayer. For more souls to be one in the next season of our church. And that's why we're creating room. Why we're creating seats here in the sanctuary. Why we're creating room in our children's areas which are so tight that they need to be able to be split in order to continue to grow. We've kind of hit a ceiling. And then we're praying, God, that that God would make more room in our hearts to grow. And so it starts with praying, praying for the lost. Amen? And I want to challenge you to do that with us, to partner with us and say, okay, this is who I'm praying for. In just a moment, we're going to put these in the offering basket along with your your uh, offerings and we're going we're gonna to believe and we're going to pray. The second thing I want you to do and I'm serious about this I want you to consider coming out for the next seven weeks on Wednesday nights. I said last week that Wednesday nights corporate prayer, the school of prayers, we kind of dissect the, the book, the prayer of Jabez, as we hear testimonies from individuals about how God has moved and how we're believing God to move, is going to be the most important meeting of our week. And we're going to put a lot of effort into that, making it sharp. And I'm, a, and I'm asking many of you to partner with me in bearing some of that burden. And, and many of you have already said, yeah, I'm with you, Pastor. And so we need you today to take a book, buy a book, and let it bless your life. And then the third thing is that we want you to seriously be considering about your place in ministry. You are a piece to the bigger puzzle of the Gateway Church. Each of you are. And where are you going to fit? And maybe you've kind of been on the sidelines and now it's time to kind of get in the game. And we need you to step up. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to have opportunities uh, for you to engage in some training. Uh, we've got some things we're working on on the children's end uh, that is very exciting. Uh, didn't hear this morning, uh, but we're hoping to do a, a CPR training to get all of our teachers uh, and leaders, anyone that works with our kids certified. So we are ready and uh, we need to multiply that. And we need many of you to step up and say, you know what? I can serve. I can be a part. I can usher. I can count the offering. I can, um, I can show up early and greet people. I can make coffee. I can, you know, whatever the case might be. I can sing on the worship team. I can play an instrument. Because we know that God, he's given us his best. And you guys are his best. We together are God's best. We are his plan for our future. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning I feel like we're uh, at a moment 
in our church's history that is so important. We can't underestimate what God is wanting to do in our hearts and in our lives. And as your pastor, I want you to know I feel the the weight of that, but then I also feel the joy of that as well. And our board and our leaders, our staff, we've been praying, God, help us as we take a six-month trial saying multiplying our services, help us to make an impact for you. Larger. We're praying for more, Lord, for your glory, for your honor. This is not about any one person. It's about the kingdom of God advancing on the lakeshore. And I'm just wondering, as we sit here this morning, as maybe you've identified a person or two or a family or two that needs salvation, as we talk about the idea of making room for more, how many this morning, just by a show of hands, would say, Pastor, I want to be a part of what God's doing on the lakeshore here at the Gateway Church? Just slip up your hand wherever you are. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And that's what it's going to take. It's going to take all of us saying, you know what? We're going to pray together. We're going to believe together. We're going to serve together. We're going to make this happen for God's glory, for his honor. And we're going to make some mistakes along the way, and we're going to, we'll tweak things, I'm sure, as we go. But we are going to give it the best shot that we have, trusting God in the process. And it's a combination of praying for the lost. It's a combination of getting our teams together. It's a combination of, of uh, all these things coming together trusting God. And it all needs to be bathed in prayer. Just like I said, prayer needs to infiltrate the entire strategy of spiritual warfare. All the pieces of armor, the sword of the spirit, the, the, uh, the boots, the belt, the breastplate, all of those things need to be covered in prayer. Everything we're doing needs to be covered in prayer. And we need to trust God in this season for our lives. And I know we've taken some time on this. Now, as you can uh, turn your attention to me just again for a second. 